1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom, right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, and this will be maybe the shortest intro I've ever done before. I'm going to say one thing, so actually two things. Um, Number one, thank you for listening. Please subscribe on uh, whatever feed you are listening to this on, either the Lions of Liberty Network or on the Finding Freedom solo. And also, we have a special running right now for the Lions of Liberty Pride on Patreon. If you join or if you um, renew as an annual member, so you pay you know upfront for the for a full year of membership to the Lions of, Li- of Liberty Pride at any level, you're going to get 15% off. 15% off. That's double what we normally do. So Check that out. You can obviously find that at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. If you don't like Patreon and you want to support us on Locals, please go to lionsofliberty.locals.com. Got a great show today. I'm excited for it. Let's get to it. All right. Welcome to another episode of Finding Freedom. I am joined here today by Billy and Kay Deekle. And they've written a book, if you're watching the video, I'll hold up a copy of it right here, if you can see it. It's disappearing on the screen behind my virtual background, but it's called Flying High with Gringo Billy. And it's a really unique format in the way it's written. So as we'll learn about here as we talk to Billy and Kay, Billy was a a drug smuggler flying planes. And it's written from his perspective telling the story of of doing these these runs these drug runs, and also between his story, it'll jump, and there will be uh, I guess I guess diary entries from his wife Kay talking about what's what's going on in her mind through that time. So really fascinating to see, really all sides of this story as it's as it's evolving. And Billy ended up being sentenced to life in prison. Um, obviously, he's he's out now. Here to tell his story, here to tell his story, and share that with all of you. So, let's uh, introduce Billy and Kay. So, welcome to the show, guys. Well, thank you. It's
0: good to be here. And uh, actually, I was sentenced to two life sentences without release and 30 thirty-year sentences. And I kind—I tell people that that's the government's way of telling me I'm an overachiever.
1: that's that's a lot of time to be sentenced to and we, we can get into get into how that how that happened um but i think i think a good place to start is since this is a story it's it's about the two of you um so let's go back to how the two of you started how the two of you met um if you could share share that story
0: well the first time i seen my wife i pulled into a amico station to gas up and uh, while I was uh, fueling my car up, getting gas, a uh, 69 Roadrunner, which is on the, on the book there, down in the corner, gold and black, pulled in. And it had, I've seen, to me, a very beautiful lady, girl in it. So I've done something that's not, uh, it was out of character for me. I went over and started talking to her. But I didn't have a very good pickup line and uh (laughs) she i didn't get her phone number or anything like that i was kind of a little jittery you know that's things like that make me nervous and other things don't but uh she did and uh i ran into her again at junior college and she was uh already dating somebody and uh finally after um a year or so, uh, they broke up and I, I seen my opening. I took, I took a shot and, uh, here we are 50 years later, 50 plus years
1: later, 50 years later later, with, with, with a lot, a a lot of, you know, a lot of unique and, um, interesting things happening in, in those 50 years that, you know, a lot of people don't, don't experience in a, uh, in a marriage. And I understand the two of you actually got, got divorced at one point and then remarried again.
0: She divorced me in uh, I guess late 78, or early 79. And we got remarried again in 81. I think it was 82.
2: 82.
0: She said, but we, she came back to <laughs> yeah. me in 81. she gave me a trial about a year trial before she married me. Back. Yeah. She married me again.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I, I mean, her... go ahead. I was just going to say, so 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 being in the business that that you were in, Billy, obviously uh, v- very tough business on a uh, on, on a relationship on a marriage, um, as, as that's you know documented in the book through uh, through Kay sharing um, sharing her her entries there. Um, I'm curious about about two things here, so you can both both an- answer this question. Billy, how did you get attracted to drug smuggling? How did that start? And then if, if Kay wants to follow up, when did you learn about this, that he was, he was smuggling drugs, and what was your reaction?
0: Well, how I got into it was uh, for financial reasons. I had uh, basically went bankrupt, was being garnished by the government uh, for the IRS was garnishing me. And when I was running the airport, uh, the FBI, the EA, Customs, all came to the airport to talk to me. And uh, I had what's called a fixed-based operation out there. I've rented airplanes. I uh, chartered and I gave flight instruction. They came to me and told me about a man that was local there that they were trying to bust and they wanted me to help them uh arrest this guy and they told me they said he's he's a bad fella he's smuggling drugs uh marijuana from columbia you know uh, we want you to wear a wire and offer him your services and your airplane and all that he had just had it, uh, lost an airplane in columbia that it crashed. So he was without his airplane and I was supposed to help them do that. And that doing something like that to another person, even though they said he was a bad guy, uh, just didn't taste right in my mouth. And I uh, I turned them down and and warned the person. I told him, I said, you know, you're about to get busted. You need to stop doing what you're doing. And he told me, he said, well, if you ever decide you want to do it, let me know. (laughs) And I just threw him out. No, not me. And then like a year later, I am, uh, we're turning, you know, everybody's got a little piggy bank. We're turning the piggy bank upside down and shaking money out to go get groceries. We're behind on the house payment, behind on everything. We lost our car. Uh, we were driving a old car that Kay's mother let us have, and so I went. The guy he owned the bar, and I went to the bar, and I told him, I says, "Tom, remember what we talked about?" And I said, "I'm ready. I'm. I, I need some money. I need to make some money." And I felt like that was I was doing wrong, you know, flying uh, uh, because I'd heard so many bad things about marijuana but it seemed like the least bad thing I could do to make money. I mean, it's uh, like I've told uh, people before, since I've learned, I said this business, it, it, the crime, they're calling it a crime. It's a consensual crime. Oh, yeah. The people that you're doing, everybody involved is happy. They want to do it again. They're, in, they're, they're not, uh, uh, you're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business, not even on a handshake just looking a man in the eye and giving him your word hey i'm gonna do this you're gonna do that and he's gonna do this and we all do it and then we split the money up when we get through and there's no lawyers no it's it's just a uh um a laissez-faire i guess (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to put I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's it's a consensual transaction. That, that's a great way to put it. And really, the the only, you know, violence that is potentially brought into it is because of the prohibition from it.
0: Yeah, and uh, most of the time, it's years later, it's a year or two later before they even find out a crime has been committed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I mean like you rob a bank or somebody loses gets a car stolen or a house broken into and all that, well automatically you're calling the police. Somebody's calling the police. They're getting running an investigation or what have you. In my case, how they got on to me is somebody well,
1: let, let, let me let me stop you there for a minute, Billy, oh. before before you go on to that. I wanna get Kay's I wanna hear from Kay on so when you find out that he is or maybe first how did you find out that that he was that he was smuggling drugs
2: um well as he said we uh i was working he was working uh and neither of our jobs was being able to foot the bill for uh the household we had two children at that time uh, young children and um he uh told me that he was going to take me out to dinner one night which was unusual because we didn't have money to go out to eat and he took me to the one of the best restaurants that we have in our rural town of lake city and um I, you know and i'm talking and we're and all of a sudden he just comes up with I figured out a way to get out of debt and i'm like what what are you talking about and he said well remember when the fbi came out and to, to talked with me that time. And I said, kind of. And he said, um, well, I went and talked to that guy. I said, the FBI? And he said, no, Tom. And immediately I said, no, you're not doing that. And he kept on and on about, I'm just going to do one time, one time in a big airplane and make $100,000. And then we'll stop. And we'll legitimate business then. And uh, that's I promise, and yeah, he promised <laughs> one time. I never agreed to the one time, but I knew he was. There was no way I was going to not that I was going to stop him. It just I could mm-hmm. tell he wasn't. He was going to do it, and um, that one time turned out to be hundreds of times. And uh, the first time he made nine thousand dollars to risk his life, he made $9,000 and he's like, I'm gonna kill myself before I make $100,000. And from there, it just went on. And it, mm-hmm. it became more of an addiction to the excitement and the thrill and the, um, the flying and the, all of that, that uh, took over because once we had enough money, then
0: it, it wasn't money anymore it's the most challenging uh fun flying you can do i've done charter flying i've done i'm a multi-engine pilot instrument rated uh flight instructed Uh, i flew all over the united states and and i have nothing beats smuggling it's just uh an adventure and I, i i I was, the first trip I tried was in a four-engine DC-7, and on the way down, we blew an engine. It blowed up, and um, I wasn't licensed to fly this airplane, but I flew it anyway. We had a guy in there, he knew how to crank it, and he knew how to change, uh, keep the engines going and change the fuel tanks and all that, and he told me, he says, you'll be able to fly it, don't worry, so he's going with me, so I... Uh, if he's got enough nerve to do it, I'm going too. And he told me he says you fly it from the front seat up just like any airplane you've ever flew. He says all that back there behind you and all that out there on the sides he said it'll come right with you. He said he ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> and I looked at it like that and I said, you know he's right And <laughs> yeah and, uh, I,
1: okay.
0: yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was supposed to make a hundred thousand dollars was going to pick up twenty thousand pounds. and that went that all blew up in our face and uh then i went from that to a a single engine airplane and uh flew down to columbia and picked up uh, like about 800 pounds come back made nine thousand dollars almost got killed i don't know how many times in that trip It, it, it it was it was scary but After a while, I told people, I said, I hit the panic button so much on that trip, I burned it out. It got to where, uh, you know, it it doesn't scare you no more. It's not, uh, you look forward to it. The weather, the unknown, the the having to figure out, hey, what do I do next? How do I, you know, how do I get around this? I've seen my, First uh, volcano. I went to Nicaragua whenever Managua down when when Somoza was in power, and um, two times, seen my first volcano down there. And they were having right in the middle of the civil war when the Sandinistas were chasing uh, Somoza out of uh, Nicaragua. And it's hmm. it's been. I couldn't imagine doing anything else after I got you know the money just started piling in and i didn't i've never had over a thousand dollars in my life that i wasn't accounted for didn't have to spend it on something and now i I don't know what to do with it. i just go get more and uh and i'm a real good-hearted fellow i've got i've wound up with a lot of friends now <laughs> after that down at the bar and everything and Hey, he needs money. Okay, here I'm loaning this guy thirty grand, and somebody, And really, I give it away. You know, never. You know, it just. Uh, the, not all of my friends were real friends. Yeah. <laughs> I found out.
1: <laughs> so, so Kay, I want to ask you when he when he's away on these on these trips, a, a lot of the time maybe maybe you, you don't know if he's out you know what he's doing, um, if he's on one of these trips or not, but. Um, how, how did you deal with that?
2: Um, of course there was, uh, really no one to talk to, to let them uh, try to help me out as far as, uh, you know, I'm nervous. I don't know where Billy is. He, um, his idea of what to do was not tell me anything so that if perchance he mm-hmm. were, was busted, I would know nothing. Uh, and his, that was his thought process. Mm-hmm. Of course, everything that um, I could imagine, I imagined every single trip. Every time the door closed for him to tell me, I'll be back in a few days, mm-hmm. uh, could be a day. It could be that the airplane, something went wrong with the airplane and he was back in six hours. Or it could be back, he would be back in two weeks and uh, we had, uh, as I said, two girls who, you know, were steady, um and keeping up the front. I was still uh, working and trying to go to school at the time. And um, uh, I had decided that I was going to go back uh, and become a teacher and uh, which I did. Uh, and I praise God every day for that, that some God told me. You need to prepare yourself, prepare. And I was already working in the school system. So I went back to college at 30, whatever I was, 38, I think it was. And he um, got my teaching degree just right after he uh, was arrested. I finished my college and uh, became a teacher. And as I said, thank God for that, because that's what kept us afloat in wow. the 25 plus years that he was in. So. But yeah, I, I I just put one foot in front of the other one, and um, did it best the best. Took it a day at a time. But it, it, no one can um, understand the um, the many waking hours at night that you spend uh, wondering because at that time we didn't have cell phones. We didn't. He couldn't call me anyway. And uh, I, I didn't, there were many times in this book that you'll see that he was gone, whether he crash landed somewhere and was trying to find his way out or um, something ha- had happened and he uh, been a prop or whatever, and he would be in Belize or wherever, and I never knew where he was, and, um, un- unless somebody came and told me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really it's really hard in this you know this this modern age that we live in where we kind of take for granted this instant communication where you can just notify people right away of what's going on, and it's it's hard to even imagine of just just having no idea where your significant other is and just just having to, you can't even tell you can't talk to anybody. There's no there's nobody to talk to about it and just nobody having to, to kind, of, kind of sit on it. Yeah, back um,
0: then it was pay phones and beepers. Yeah. That was the big
1: thing. <laughs> yeah, payphones and beepers. Um, so you you referenced there, Kay, um, before he was arrested. So that was that was that you're referencing the last time he was arrested. Yes, right? yes,
0: last
1: time. So how many times were you arrested, Billy? How many different times did you? And,
0: uh, I was arrested in Jamaica the first time for. Uh, Possession of ganja, uh, attempted to exportation of ganja, illegal entry, and illegal airport. I done 30 days down there and was fined $8,400. And the next time I was arrested for, uh, they called it racketeering. And uh, the, the main guy, their main witness that was on the Federal Witness Protection Program, that's the first time I'd ever heard of that and he had immunity on anything but a murder and lying he couldn't lie on the stand and what saved our bacon on that was he got caught in an obvious lie on the stand. and when he done that the judge called a recess my lawyer says i can tell what they're gonna do they're gonna force a deal on us and I looked at my lawyer was Bill Shepard at that time. I said, "How can they do that?" I said, "We just started winning this thing." He says, "They make the deal so good you can't turn it down, so they gonna do it." So I said, well, "Let's hear the deal." And uh, we got—they ch- gave me two years, all of it suspended, but nine months, a forty thousand dollar fine, and I had already done. They didn't give me bonds. so I'd already done six months of the nine months in, in jail so I they says you'll be out by Christmas so I went and done work release and was home by Christmas that's how they made it so good I couldn't turn it down but that gave me a felony then the next time I'm arrested is um, for possession uh, conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute marijuana federal charge And i done, I was sentenced to five years on that and made parole in 20 months. But while I was in prison for that, I got charged with racketeering again. So I don't really get right out of, I I go from the, when I finish my 20 months, I go and have to finish the two years state time because I had uh, violated my first racketeering. And when I got out and finished my first racketeering, I had to go to the Volusia County Jail in Daytona for my next racketeering. And they were, uh, uh, they got their main, what saved us on that is their main witness. Uh, He had uh, signed a lot of statements and said he was going to show up to court. And he took off and wrote them a letter back. It was uh, postmarked Lima, Peru, and he was apologizing to the prosecutor. He said, I changed my mind, basically. <laughs> I can't do that. So they made us a deal we couldn't, done again, made us a deal we couldn't refuse. They uh, gave me um, uh, probation and ran it with my uh, federal parole that I was under. And then, uh, and then I got a, uh, I got arrested again in, in uh Ocala for uh, I flew in a load that had a bug on it but the pot got away but I didn't and so they couldn't charge me with anything other than what little bit they found on the airplane which was less than a gram so they charged me with possession under 20 grams of marijuana and put me in jail and then my lawyer gets there and gets me right back out and they dropped that case because it was they didn't didn't have any enough pot (laughs) to charge me. And then my next one was the big one. The one that I, when I, they said I was an overachiever. Give me all those uh, licenses. And then I went on the run for three years before they called me. I was a federal fugitive.
1: So, so, uh, I mean, a lot of people would hear that, you know would hear all those all those times that either they're close calls or you know end up doing some time get probation get um or, or being on parole and they would think well you know maybe i sh- i should stop smuggling drugs I, but maybe i should stop flying these planes yeah. but you you went right back to it so right. get, yeah <laughs> so 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 why well what, what was what kept pulling you back
0: well, it, it was, I loved it. I mean, I would be walking around the rec yard in uh, Tallahassee, Federal Correction Institute in Tallahassee on that five-year sentence, and, and, and just looking up at the sky. I, said, man, I and man, counting the days I get out. I, I knew my partners were still out there, you know, and I wanted to get out there with them. I mean, let's go. It's just marijuana. I'd already started smoking pot and said to myself hey this is not bad i it's, i'm not doing a bad thing what i'm doing is taking something from a place that they got an overabundance of it and the price is cheap and relocating it to a place where they there's a demand for it and you get more money i mean that, that's the way i was looking at it i have just transportation yeah yeah, yeah. It was, it was,
1: I uh, I loved doing the flying. And Kay, how how did you look at it when he kept kept going back to it?
2: I kept thinking that he was going to stop, that there would that at one some point he would um, <laughs> grow up <laughs> and uh, take responsibility and uh, become the husband that. I had married, the the guy that I had married w- was not a drug smuggler and uh, that he would start taking more time with his kids and try to understand um, what life was really about, that it's not about the excitement and it's not about, you know, trying to count how many friends you might think you have and that life is basically what you make it and the people that you love that are around you and um, I just kept thinking that that was going to happen and uh, it didn't happen for a long time Uh, probably not until um, he got his uh, clemency from Obama did he finally understand that uh, and he was 60, um, Six. 66 at that time so it, it took him a little longer than normal to um, um not try to be peter pan anymore i guess
0: i was 40 years old the last time i went in and 66 when i got out so i had a lot of time to think about it and uh
1: 26
0: years and all my time except for three years was in the United States penitentiaries, high-security penitentiaries. Because of my security rating and me being a pilot, that scared them a little bit. They, uh, hey, we got to take. And they, they actually, I've got a paper that they deemed me a sophisticated criminal. The only time I've ever been called sophisticated in my life. And uh, I, I asked them, they says you can't do nothing about this It's uh, because of, you know, being a pilot and the crimes that you were doing. And, all. we have to take special precautions with you when we transport you and all that. That means a black box and change from head to toe just about. And uh, I, uh, I like it. Uh, like I say, I'm, I'm as happy now as I've ever been in my life and, and this I, I apparently grew out of it <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> yes.
1: so you did you did 26 years in that in your long your longest stretch before yeah, you 25 got
0: years and seven months yeah if you want to get years, seven years. months right
1: um did you think you were going to get out no i didn't
0: think i was going to get out that was uh um everything i filed Everything got turned down, uh, all this. And then in 2014, President Obama came up with uh, the um, clemency initiative of 2014. He said that uh, he changed his pardon attorney. He got rid of the pardon attorney that they had. This was in his second. uh, So if he hadn't got elected the second time, Mm -hmm. I'd still be there. Yeah, I sent one in already, and they turned my clemency request down. And then uh, um, when they came out with the Clemency Initiative and what have you, there were a lot of activists out there t- working uh, to get us, you know, uh, um, bring the light to marijuana people doing yeah. crazy sentences, nonviolent and all that. And uh,
1: The uh, Can-, Can Do Foundation, Amy, Amy Pova, ones- yeah
0: exactly she uh called my wife and told and then my wife told me that's how I called in and says Amy says you need to put it back in go ahead and put it in and I said well I, I went ahead and put it in and I don't know if uh you know I guess uh she had been uh going over a lot of uh, people's uh, chances. See who had a good chance. Cause I had a I had a pretty good prison record there for like fifteen years. And I got in some trouble to begin with, you know, from the start. And um, but then I was uh, spotless after that. And and uh, I worked in the unicor in the factory because that's the only place you can make um, any legitimate. Uh, I can I can make three hundred dollars a month and that's what I lived on in, in prison. And, the, uh, that, and, I, and that kept me busy. I mean, I was what they call a production, production clerk. I worked on uh, uh, SAP, uh, the computer uh, program they had there and uh, we had a textile factory and uh i uh, it kept me busy it was at, you're actually doing something you know other than uh, some people are happy to just sleep their sentence off but i I'm not that uh, I can only play so much handball that, so I've done my wreck when, when I get off from work I'd go play handball play softball what have you do run do walk the track and then uh, the next morning I'd get up and go to work and that's what kept me me sane and um, kept me a, a little food in my locker from the common
1: And Kay, d- during those almost 26 years, what kept you sane during that time?
2: Um, the Lord never let me doubt that he at one sometime was going to get out. And um, um, and I I would tell him, you're going to get out. I know you're going to get out. And um, I got my job in uh, the school system here in uh, Columbia County and worked my way up to uh, director of secondary education here. I was over the high school and the um, middle schools in our areas, what I retired from. So I went back to school several times and got my, um, my bachelor's, my master's in counseling and my master's in leadership and, um, just stayed busy. I worked two jobs for, and I was the director of the dance team. Both of my girls danced and, um, I just stayed busy all the time. And, um,
0: they were in Mesa's parade and all that with yeah, the team. we did a lot
2: of competitions and things like that so um uh he he would call every friday and um if i didn't get the call uh you know it was kind of like him going on a run i didn't know why i didn't know if if he was in lockdown or if somebody had uh done something to him if he was in the hospital so it it, it was another long ride and um we um both of his par- parents passed away while he was in prison and uh we had two grandchildren and of course my children were married got married he missed all of, all of that and uh, it was tough it was, it, you know it's tough
0: yeah, she had it rough out here. There's no doubt about it because uh, my... Uh, all, of your,
2: uh, all of his friends,
1: <laughs> they,
2: they didn't come around they, after he went to prison. So um,
1: They didn't repay those loans. No, they
2: didn't.
1: No. no. Nothing. And
0: it was just, uh, I had a lot of bad luck. I, I, you know, they, they look at it on the people that don't know anything about the business. They think, gosh, he's making so much money. But when something goes wrong, when you're making big money and it was big money to me i mean with some people uh, jeff bezos and them it ain't big money to them but um, when you're making that money and when something goes wrong you lose a lot it's not a uh, you know it's like i guess like gambling you can put up a lot of money don't make a lot of money and, and it uh i had uh, had a a string of bad luck right before i got uh busted this last time and uh I just sent like forty thousand dollars down to uh, South Central America for the next uh, purchase, and never did get down there to get it. And it just lost an airplane. I had lost an engine and and out over the Gulf, and luckily I made it back to this island off of the Yucatan Peninsula. The name of the islands H O whole box, but it's they don't pronounce the H in Spanish. It's whole box. And I I made a forced landing with the load on that uh, beach and uh, was luckily I managed to elude the police and everything and make it back to uh, took me several days to make it back to uh, Belize and then back to America. So we lost uh, like 900 pounds of marijuana, $75,000 airplane, which today that same airplane be worth a quarter of a million dollars. Hmm. When he got yeah. arrested, I think he had less than a hundred thousand. Right, about a hundred thousand. Because to it, but... things had really went downhill. But I was determined to turn it around <laughs> and uh, start stocking the money up again.
1: It, because I, I think it's important to point out, and I mean, in the, in the book, reading the book, it's, it's understood that. You you weren't just flying the planes, you were you were kind of helping to to put these these deals together and connecting people together, right?
0: Yeah, when I started, I was just a pilot. I I, I was hired help, and my biggest year is hired help. I've done twenty three loads and made a million three hundred thousand dollars as just the salary, mm. but. <clears throat> you got to be careful when you you when I first got started some people will there's they're, they're so eager to make this money that they don't really get everything down straight like I flew all the way to Columbia before and and, and got there too early there was nobody there and uh, wound up flying around looking out at the the uh, Peninsula Guajira, I'm trying to find where am I I supposed to go, and it's getting dark. I'm running out of fuel, so I'm deciding now, Is Maracaibo, Venezuela got the best jail, or has Aruba got the best jail? Because I'm getting ready. I don't want to go to jail here in Columbia. And so I decide uh, on Aruba, and I start going towards Aruba, and I see a fire burning. And I said, well, I'm going to go check this fire. And and when I got there.
1: Where was the fire burning?
0: The fire was burning. The fire was a signal fire for me. And uh, I didn't know it, but I just, because I was uh, a couple hours before dark was when I was supposed to load, was what I was told. But they got the signal scotch. You know, one man telling somebody this, and then he telling somebody else. And the time it gets to me, it's an hour or two off and so i land there and at night and uh have to wind up spending the whole night there because they don't have the fuel or the pot but luckily they had something to start the fire with (laughs) to signal me and uh so i i stay there all night and um they uh the next morning the, the gas finally got there and i told him i said it about eight o'clock i said look i said the marijuana don't get here i'm leaving now i'm gonna go fly back to south Caicos and land and i'll come back tomorrow and get it that's why you decided
2: to start <laughs> and then yeah.
0: and then when i'm taking off from there two donkeys walk out in front of me and i hit two donkeys on takeoff Jeez. and just tap them and and uh it didn't the landing gear didn't fold with me landing in south Caicos, but i told the people there that uh hey that this uh, we need to check the airplane and so they took it and flew it to uh, nassau and when they landed in nassau the gear folded up on them and that wound that trip up because no more airplane it all tore up on the runway in nassau and that's when i decided to I didn't. You know, connections are very important. People uh, uh, protect their connections, but through attrition, smuggling with this group and this group and another group, and people getting arrested and people getting uh, scattered out and everything, I finally worked my way up to where I knew the people down south. I knew the people at the gas stops, and I knew that I knew how to do it. And I wasn't taking it uh, somebody else telling me and me not knowing whether he knows what he's talking about or not, you know? And so I, that's why I started uh, moved up the chain, I guess you could say, and done my own flying because I knew I'm, I'm the one that is uh, coordinating with the people down South and coordinating the people at the gas stop and coordinating with the people up here unloading. I know the whole, the whole deal because I'm the one that set it up. And, uh,
1: and you're taking that, on the most risk, right? When you're flying the plane.
0: Yeah. That, and when that's the fun part, that's, that's what, that's what I wanted to do. And uh, that's what it was all about. And, and you know, after the, I got the money, we did. I had uh, some friends of mine saying, "Tell me," they said, "Why didn't you build a great big house and do this as a contractor and this, that, and the other?" They said You didn't. You never did show that you had uh, a lot of money. And and even when they arrested me, they said, "You're the only guy that we've arrested uh, uh, that's not wearing a bunch of jewelry. You know, a lot of gold around their neck and Rolex watches and big rings and stuff like that." And it never, I never was after that, as long as, like I say, I'm, I'm happy. As uh, long as I, I look at money, you're okay as long as you don't run out. And I ran out before, and I fixed that by smuggling. And so it, it was, we had got to the point where it was just uh, sick and tired of counting money. You know, it's it, we just looked at it. I started looking at it more as volume than in the actual dollars. Like, I can put in a six pack case, I can put sixty thousand dollars and twenty cents in uh, PVC pipes. If they're all hundreds, I can put fifty thousand in a, a small PVC pipe, or I can put in a long one, I can put uh, um. Twenty thousand, you know, and, and, and yeah, to go out and bury with post-hole diggers and what have you, because that's what I did with my money. And then I, when I started on,
1: so, so you the, would you would, and, you would bur- bury the money. W- w- where would you bury it?
0: I buried it under the the. Uh, we had a bird feeder with uh, bricks around the bottom, and take the bricks up and dig a hole and put money under there, that's and then. Cool. And then I buried some out at my uh, mother-in-law's uh, coolers out there full of money. And then I'd bury it uh, over at my mama's and dad's. I'd bury it. And then we had a little uh, we had a little uh, shelter, a shed, storage shed. I buried it on all the corners. And then I buried it in, in the middle. And then I buried, you know, I'd use postal diggers and a PVC pipe and put it down with that and i had a uh a uh broke off fishing rod that whenever i would want to get one out i would go out there and start sticking that rod in the ground and whenever it hit the top of one of them pvc pipes i'd get the post hole diggers and i'd dig it up and uh saw the end off of it and dump the money
1: out you don't you don't think about that. So yeah, when you're making money that is you know not 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 legitimate, what right. what do you do, what do you do with it? Yeah, I, I, you can't just you can't just keep it all in your house. That's a huge liability.
0: We had a um, we had finally when we remodeled done a, a added I took the garage and uh, made it a extra room. I had a fireplace there, a stone fireplace, and I had one stone that would come up, and I had a one of those round. Safes put in there that, uh, uh, that's in the floor, and it would hold, uh, like $300,000 easy. So I had that. I had a gun safe, and then I had the money out in the, uh, in the yard scattered all over the place. And I was like, say, I started doing cocaine, which I don't recommend that for anybody. I don't, I don't can't cite you one success story on that. And, uh, I uh, I'm burying money and digging up money and giving away money and and just uh, I guess I went crazy. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I guess maybe that's what happened.
1: I don't know. So uh, I do want to ask you about this. I, we, we got a little bit of time left, but I want to kind of go to to the end of the story when you get when you get clemency and uh, you get you get out of prison. Yeah. And I, I want to ask first from, from Kay's perspective what was that what was that day or, or that time period like for you? I mean you're, you're, you're praying over all these years and, and knowing deep down that he's going to get out. Uh, can you just, just take us through what that, what that was like?
2: Um, the, when he called to tell us that he had gotten clemency. Um, We had no idea that it was going to happen. Um, We knew some things were uh, were going on that had never gone on before. He had been uh, asked if people could look at his records and different things like that. And he said, something's going on. I don't know what what to, to tell you, but something's happening.
0: They called me to the case manager's office to sign some papers. They said that Washington wanted to look at my records. And they had to give him permission to do that. So I called Kay and I told him, "I don't know what's happening. something's going on. I said, they I know they're looking at my case because they want to look at my records. that that's And that that's was correct. the
2: only thing that that was different, uh, you know in in the 26 years that he was in. And uh, so when we got the phone call that morning, um, it was unexpected and uh, exhilarating and but he didn't get out Uh, it happened on my birthday um, and he didn't get out, uh, that was December the 18th and then uh, I picked him up in April
0: uh, I got out April the 15th 2016
2: I I think it was March I picked him up and uh, we drove all the way to Louisiana my two children and my grandson and picked him up and 15 hours back and dropped him off that night at a halfway house in
0: Jacksonville
2: Jacksonville. and uh, he stayed there until April. So he came home in April and, um, I seriously thought we were not going to make the first year. Me too. Uh, I thought this is, we're never going to make it. (laughs) It's an adjustment. It's the hardest thing in our relationship that we have probably had to go through. Um, his readjustment, um, me getting over um, him smuggling, him um, his uh, unfaithfulness, his uh, drug use, um, me trying to accept that and um, us learning to live together again. And I
0: didn't know anything. I mean, and he his this it, telephone, oh my.
2: Uh, technology it, he would get just exasperated over technology and and the new things and not knowing his surroundings. Um, the town that we he had grown up in had completely changed in the twenty five years. And uh, people he didn't know people, uh, even though he had gone to school with them and had grown up, he couldn't recognize them. it was, It was a huge.
0: huge adjustment i'll give you an example on the way back we stopped to get gas and run into like a a 7-eleven store to uh you know get some snacks because we're on the road i go into the bathroom and all and i wash my hands i go over to the machine to uh dry the blower there's no button i see little rivets i'm pushing things here there and all trying to where do you how do you get this thing started well i find out later it's just simple just stick your hands on it and it starts but uh, putting gas in the car the whole the, the everything's changed i never I, you know it, and it, that is uh it was frustrating to me my uh, granddaughter she knew She's seven years old. She knew more about any of this stuff than I did. You know, the the televisions have changed a lot. Uh, The phones, the cars. It was like uh, Star Wars. The car with that uh, thing tells you all this stuff on the back up and see behind you, this, that. But this is something I want to get in before we run out of time. Mm -hmm. A lot of people you see when they get out of prison, I've seen on uh, Facebook and what have you now that they're taking pictures of themselves out in front of the prison and this, that, and the other, and and, and uh, in front of the sign and everything. When I got in the car, when I walked out, and I got in the car and closed the door, I told Russell, "Let's get out of here. <laughs> Come on, let's go." Right, uh, before they change your mind, i don't make. You know.
1: We don't need any pictures.
0: Yeah, right. I don't need no pictures. I don't need nothing. Right,
1: let's get out of here. Well, one thing that that I wanted to ask you, and I, I know that that you have a, a ton of stories, and a lot of them are in the book, and you're writing two more additional books. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more more down the road. But um, if if there's anything that I didn't ask you specifically about about this book, flying high with with Gringo Billy, that that you know you really wanted to talk about, or a story you wanted to share, or, or or just some some piece of it that I was remiss to ask about.
0: Well, uh, uh, the uh, uh, the thing is, on that book, there's so many stories in there, and with all of them that uh, you know, the, uh, I've seen a man walk into an airplane propeller and get killed. Right there on the, the landing side. I mean, that was that was a horrible uh, deal, and uh, it really caused all kinds of problems. You know, and, and mostly for the fella. You know, just I mean, that's I can still see it to this day, it just like it happened. And uh, and I I yelled at the fella trying to stop him, and he was looking at me straight in the eyes. We were make, had complete eye contact. And his face was why, or I could tell what he was thinking. Why are you yelling at me? And uh, he
2: just
0: so, he, 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 he turned like this to look at me. And if he hadn't turned, it would have took his face off. But when he turned like that, it just took a look like a, uh, a toupee flew off. And um, I had blood splatter and all over me and everything and it was uh the crew panicked. panic they ran away I didn't have all my fuel um there was the airplane had damage that I didn't know the prop cycled okay so I I said I can't stay here I took off and uh, I didn't really have enough fuel to make it all the way back on the route that I went so I had to take a shortcut and flew over Eglin air force base with um a load of pot well not a load they didn't they they left before i got the whole load with about 300 pounds and um just, it was just a horrible horrible trip
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and that's uh you know seeing that happen and then uh, not knowing hey am i gonna make it am i gonna run out of fuel before i get there and and and, and what have you and uh Am I going to be able to get across Eglin Air Force Base without them uh, knowing it? And I talked to a uh, air traffic controller from the uh, Navy when I was in prison, and and uh, he was in doing time too. And I, I told him that story. He says, uh, "Don't think you got across there without them knowing." It. He said, "What happened? The fella that was on the radar scope." Was looking at his watch and saying, I'm getting off in about 45 minutes. And uh, he said, this guy here don't look like he's going to be out of my area here shortly. And just, you know, and I, it's, I'm going to be doing a lot of paperwork till midnight if we scramble on this guy. And he's not uh, going towards anything strategic. He's just cutting through our uh, reservation and uh, hopefully he gets on out of here. And he said, that's how you made it through there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of luck. Sometimes. A sometimes luck, luck is needed. It? Yeah. Right. So I, I, I really could not encourage people more to read this book. It's really well-written. I mean, the stories are, are entertaining and, and, and just, just pull you in. And it's amazing to me, the, the detail that you remember. And we, we were ti I do want to ask you about this because we were talking about this before we went live today. Um, you were talking about how you started to write the book, just sending pages that you'll write two or three pages to your father, right? So can can you just talk about that that process?
0: Well, he knew I was doing what I was doing whenever I was out. And he wanted to hear the stories. And so I'd tell him, I could trust my dad, you know. So I'd tell him about the stories, this, that, and the other, and he would always in at the end of all my stories. Boy, you better quit. They're going to arrest you. You better quit. You better quit. You know, and then uh, tell me another story. Tell me another story. So when I'm in prison, he's telling me, hey, you need to write these things down, tell, you know, the story. So I would, at four o'clock count, and I started really, I was in the hole and out of boredom and when i was in uh what they call the special housing unit which is the hole for i was under investigation where they thought i was trying to escape so uh they locked me up and i i wrote a little bit that's how i got started and i sent him that and uh, then when i got out the hole he's on to me hey send me more send me more let's let's write this down let's write it down so at four o'clock count i would stand up at my locker and right uh, standing up using uh, my locker for a desk and write uh two or three well, during the time to count ever how many i could write two or three pages and i'd mail them to him and every day i'd mail him two or three or four pages and then right uh, tragically i guess before he uh i got all the way to the end uh he had a stroke and, and that was the end of that you know so uh, he um he even had contacted some people, uh some publishers about publishing it and they had uh wanted this he jumped the gun. He sent them a couple of my uh little chapters before I was finished. And he they sent back and told him they wanted the whole thing. Well it didn't have the whole thing. It wasn't wrote yet. Daddy got the cart the head of the horse. He was he he was like that. He would the uh, the cart couldn't even the horse couldn't even see the cart most of the time with things he did so um whenever he after he had the stroke i was asking about you know the people and he didn't know what he, he didn't know no more so um
2: and he gave it to billy's brother um billy's brother by the way is the um uh, assist-
0: prosecuted Ted Bundy.
2: yeah he was the assistant state's attorney in our- <laughs> In our area, it's crazy.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, yeah. He's uh, he writes books too. He's wrote a lot of books and everything. But then, Daddy gave him my disc, or he hadn't, and then he lost it when I got out. And so it was a year or so before I said, "My goodness, I'm going to write all this again." <laughs> so uh, finally, the disc showed up, and uh, it's been tweaked and tweaked and tweaked because it was, it was very rough. English was my worst language or our worst subject. And um, it, I wrote it like one paragraph, uh, 400 pages, one paragraph. And a lot of them just run on sentences, this, that, and other. And uh, so, uh, I had a lot of cleaning out. His mother was
2: an English teacher, by the way. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I was going to be a cowboy (laughs) when I grew up. So I didn't see any need for anything. The only thing I wanted out of school was to play football, and we—I played on a state championship football team, the only state championship team Lake City's had. And that's what I got out of uh, high school. And sitting beside me here is what I got out of college. <laughs> and I didn't—I made I think one or two report cards in college before I got out of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you you kind of did make that whole cowboy thing work out for you. That's essentially <laughs> yeah. what you were.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was. Uh, Daddy wasn't happy with me. I grew up on a farm. We had cows and horses and this, that, and the other. And I I loved that. And then I like I sent this book. I think I went down to Miami to visit with my cousins and my uh, cousin Reggie. He was going to. Um, Mamie Day Junior College and taking flying at Burnside Art uh, Flying School, and I, I that amazed me that just a regular person could fly an airplane. I thought you had to be in the Air Force or you definitely have a college education, which I knew I wasn't going to do that to be able to fly an airplane. And he he tells me, "Hey, you can start now. You start at sixteen years old. I soloed at sixteen. I got my private license at 17 young as you can do that my commercial license at 18 that's as young as you can do that and it's closely followed by my instrument rating and my um uh, multi-engine rating and my flight instructor rating. and uh then started smoking and after years of that I, I had a lot of experience when i started smuggling on flying and uh cavalry <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, honestly, we we could keep on talking here probably for a couple hours. And, uh, I do, I do want to have, uh, both of you back on down the road here and, uh, talk more about this book or, or talk, talk about your next book. Um, cause, you know, I think, I think this is really unique and, and interesting, um, stuff to talk about. But I, I just want to thank you both for, for coming on the show and, uh, I know that you can buy this on on Amazon. I'm holding up the book. People can't can really see it. No, uh, they it uh,
2: It's a signed
1: copy. It's called, copy. <laughs> it's called F- "Flying High with uh, with Gringo Billy." um wh- wh- where else can people get the book, or should should they just go to Amazon?
0: It's on Amazon. We have uh, books here because we do book signings here and there and all that. Amazon sells the paper book uh, mm-hmm. back for twenty five dollars and they give free shipping. And we have it at $25, but if somebody wants us to ship it to them, it takes $4 and something for the mail, and so then a, and then the mailer is another dollar and something, so we charge $30, But we'll sign, and we'll it. sign it and <laughs> ship it to you. Mm-hmm. But either way,
1: uh, it's available. Yeah, I, I got a signed copy here, so I, I thank you for that and appreciate it. Well, um, you're
0: welcome, and we appreciate. Uh, we enjoyed uh, you having us. Thank you, and looking forward
1: to the next time. Sounds good. Nice, nice uh, getting to meet and talk with both of you. Thank you
0: yep.
1: very much. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Billy and Kay Diekel. Uh, really, really enjoyed uh, talking to these two, and really enjoyed reading the book that uh, that they wrote. Highly recommend going out, picking up a copy. It is, I don't know if you, you can't see it there. It's Flying High with Gringo Billy. Just for the life that Billy lived and the stories that he has, and they're in this book, and he's actually planning on writing two more books that recount more of, uh, of the stories that he is, uh, he's lived through it throughout his life, uh, running running drugs um flying planes just uh really a unique unique life and you know i think uh i think he'll be first to tell you that he uh he wished he, he would probably wish that he could do some things differently but uh good people and it's just amazing that they've stayed together throughout this entire ordeal his entire time in prison just uh a really cool couple, really happy that I got the chance to uh, to meet them and to speak with them, and they will definitely, definitely be back on this program again. So that's all I got. I did a short intro today, short outro, support us, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty, lionsofliberty.locals.com. You get that 15% off on annual memberships uh, through Patreon. And check out the Lions of Liberty store. We got some new merchandise up there, lionsofliberty.store. Uh, get your, your Christmas gifts, your birthday gifts, your whatever gifts. Go go check it out, lionsofliberty.store. Got some awesome new designs. And uh, if you do join the pride, you do get a discount in the store. So check it out. And uh, I will talk to you all next week. Hopefully everyone has a great week this week. Uh, This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire's liberty burning.